annual candlelight service, wonderful time of worship, fellowship. We want to welcome you and so thankful to have much of our extended family here with us tonight. Um, We're thankful that you decided to join us and make this a part of your Christmas celebration. Our prayer is that our time together, looking to the lowborn king, would help you really focus on and worship the very one we celebrate at Christmas, Jesus Christ. Christmas is so very special to us, and because of what God has done to to take on flesh, for Jesus to live without sin, so he could die in our place, rise again to conquer death, to pay that penalty that we deserve, so we could be set free, so we could be reconciled to the Holy God now and forever. There's nothing minor, there's nothing passive, there's nothing insignificant about the birth of Jesus. It changes everything, and I pray that it is truly good news to your soul tonight as we worship Him, as we look to His Holy Word together. Our brother Sam read the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1. This wonderful announcement of the angel of the Lord to Joseph. And it's there that in verse 21, the angel says, She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Right there, two names are given to the Messiah, given for the promised one, the Redeemer. One is the prophesied name we read in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, Emmanuel, God with us. The other is the name the angel proclaims the child is to be named Jesus. Tonight I want to take a few moments to look closely at these two names given birth to Jesus. And there's a lot in a name, especially in Jesus' name, that we would focus as we focus on this birthday celebration, the powerful work of God, and the wonder of the gospel revealed in the two names given to the Christ. First, in the Old Testament, Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Isaiah 7, 14. Isaiah prophesies these words 700 years before the Messiah's birth, that his name would be Emmanuel. In Matthew 1, we see this quoted, as Sam read, prophecy fulfilled, God with us. The Gospel of John testifies in chapter 1, verse 14, the Word, speaking of Jesus, became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. The incarnation is what Christmas is all about. The fact that God the Son humbled Himself to come to us, so that He could save us. This is a miracle for God to put on flesh. It is the miracle we celebrate every Christmas. 
the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. Hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn King. Veiled in flesh the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate Deity. Incarnation is that Latin word, the root word carne is meat. God the Son put on flesh. Think about that. The incarnation, the miraculous work of God the Son to step out of eternity and to take on human flesh, to to be conceived by the Holy Spirit in Mary's womb and be brought forth that first Christmas as the newborn babe. Colossians 1.15, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Paul teaches us that Jesus is God, the image of the invisible God. Jesus Christ is, the, is one of the three persons of the Holy Trinity, the Holy Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Think about that for a moment. The God of the universe in a body like yours and mine. The real God became real flesh. We might be guilty of passing by that so quickly, and I just I want us to fight for the wonder of that. The mind-blowing truth that it would pierce us at our core this Christmas. Why? Because if we don't, if it remains only at a surface level in our minds or our hearts, we, we risk missing the magnitude of the life change it brings. God the Son of eternity past, who is one with God the Father and one with God the Holy Spirit, takes on flesh. See the humanity. See His love. See His reach. Church, don't miss the incredible reach of God for us. To do this, consider His eternal glory. Isaiah said in chapter 6, 1 through 3, he's, he's being given a view into heaven. And he says, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And the angels cried out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Fast forward to. The Gospel of John, chapter 12, verse 41. John says, Isaiah saw Jesus and spoke of his glory. Isaiah saw the magnitude of the fact that the eternal and holy God put on flesh. He saw a glimpse into the majesty and the glory of the presence of Jesus, seated on the throne, ruling over all the peoples, times, places, being worshipped as God. Christmas is the celebration that Jesus came off his throne, humbled himself, physically entered human history through the womb of Mary, the young virgin. He came as a man. And in doing so, there's sacrifice, there's accommodation to take on humility. From a throne to the manger, from... From extravagance to poverty. This is God with us. Emmanuel. See his love for us. See it draw near us. 
see our Lord on a very humble and sacrificial mission. In this, Jesus entered into human history as a missionary. Consider the the factors that relate as he willingly enters into another culture. He abides, he, he, he takes on our language, food and customs and styles. He he incarnated, he contextualized, he, he came into history, into culture with the people, speaking a language, eating food, wearing clothes, enjoying holidays, reading books, living life. That's our God. And he's giving us an example of how we are to live our lives in our culture. That the beauty of getting to, to know those who are around us, to be a witness and a light to them. When Jesus took on flesh, he did not cease to be God. Augustine says it this way, Christ added to himself which he was not. He did, he did not lose what he was. He was fully God. He did not lose his divinity as God. This means that Jesus retained all the rights and divine attributes, but he did not continually avail himself to them in that he came humbly. Philippians 2 uses that specific word to talk about the incarnation of Jesus. Philippians 2, 5-7, Your attitude should be the same as that of Jesus Christ, who being... In very nature, God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. Let this mighty truth move you to worship tonight and faith in Christ for the rest of your days. He should have been worshipped, not cursed and spat on. But, but he let that go. To continue his mission. He, he should have been paraded as a king. Not disrespected as he was. But, but he let it go to continue his mission. He, he let go of all that he's due to continue in humility. The will of the Father. He made himself nothing. He didn't experience many of the possessions and pleasures that that you and I know and have even. Live a simple life. Our God became a man. Jesus lived without sin. He was tempted, Scripture says, in every way that you and I are. Hebrews 4 says he, he then went to the cross and willingly took on himself all of our sins. He was tempted, but he did not sin. He's the only innocent man to ever live, and and yet he willingly took on our sin. To be punished, penalized, tortured. The punishment we deserved for our sin. We deserve to die. We deserved his sentence. We deserve to be tormented forever in hell because of our sin against the holy God. 
Ephesians 2, 4-5, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, He made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. This brings us to the, the second name of the Messiah, Jesus. He's Emmanuel, God with us, but He's also named Jesus. Matthew 1, 20-21, the angel appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. That which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. The name Jesus is the, the Greek translation of his name Yeshua. Yeshua means Yahweh saves, or Yahweh is salvation. In Exodus chapter 3, verse 15, God said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name by which I am to be remembered from generation to generation. The Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, which is a a translation of four Hebrew consonants. The Hebrews held those consonants so sacred. Y-H-W-H. So sacred they wouldn't even say it, but when pronounced, it's Yahweh. The Lord. When you see the Lord in all caps in the scriptures, a sign that is reference to the one true God. His name, Yahweh. That name of God, Yahweh, is not a name to be taken lightly. It's full of power and wonder. It's a name describing his eternal power, his unchangeable character. In a world where values and morals and laws change constantly, we find stability and security in our unchanging God. His name Yahweh is used 6,800 times in the Old Testament. That we would think of Him not maybe as simply as just God, but, but as Yahweh. So consider the fact that God the Son takes on flesh to save His people. We have to see that His people are guilty. We're guilty in our sin. We need a Savior. Mark 2, 15-17 As He reclined at the table in His house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and His disciples. For there were many who followed Him. And the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that He was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to the disciples, Why does He eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, He said to them, Those who are well have no need for a physician. But those who are sick, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. People who are well don't need to go to the doctor. People who are are righteous don't need a Savior. Those who are sinners need a Savior. Jesus came to save the lost, the dead in sin, the sinners. Why does the incarnation 
matter so much that God the Son took on flesh? Because you can touch flesh. You can identify with flesh. You can wrap your arms around it, feel its heartbeat. But most importantly, according to his mission, that flesh can be offered as a sacrifice for sin. You can pierce flesh and it will bleed. You can nail it to a cross. Why is it so important that he came to do this? Why does the Son of God need to put on flesh and die on a cross? Because Hebrews 9.22 says, Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin is death. We, we earn death. That's our, our wage. Of, because of our sin is death. We earn it. We deserve it. That's our reality. So it's the greatest news in all of human history that Jesus came. In 1 Peter 2.24, it's proclaimed that Jesus himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds we have been healed. The only way the sick are healed, the dead are made alive, is to have our sin paid for. Jesus coming to earth that first Christmas was a rescue mission. It was God's great gift of love for his people. There has been no greater gift ever given. Romans 5.8, God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Do you hear that? While we were yet sinners, still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ dies in the place of people who are wrought with sin in order to atone or to restore our relationship with God, to give, them, to give us new life with God, reconciliation with the Holy God, now and forever. Jesus came to save sinners. The greatest gift you could ever be given Listen to all of Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is why we worship Him at Christmas. This is why this annual holiday is so important to us. Because it changes everything for those of us who repent of our sin, who confess our sin, and trust our lives to Jesus. Earlier when I said the, 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 the healthy don't need a doctor, the, the righteous don't need a savior, some of you have not really done business with your standing before God because you, you consider yourself a good person. And maybe in relationship to the people around you, your neighbors or the people you do life with. But the standard, of holy, according to Scripture, God's standard is His holiness. And we surely fall short of His holiness in our sin. You need a Savior. These Pharisees were the religious elite of that day. They didn't like the assessment given them of their condition. They would not acknowledge that they were poor prisoners, blind, oppressed, spiritually bankrupt. They didn't think they were poor in spirit. They didn't think they were prisoners in sin. They loved to think that they were free men before God and stood well before God because of their good lives. Jesus says here in Mark 2 that His saving grace is not for people who 
remain content without him. No, no, there's something key that God does in those he, whom he saves. He, he, he breaks our heart open to see the depth and the wickedness of our sin, that we would confess it before holy God, and that we would see our desperate need for the Savior, the beauty of the gospel, the beauty of his arrival, of his death, of his resurrection. And we, we, we die to being our own Lord of our lives, and we trust our lives to him, that he's now the Lord of my life. If you're here tonight, I pray you see the love and the humility of God the Son to put on flesh so He could save us who are dead in sin. And I pray that it humbles you to see your desperate need for Him, that you would confess and trust your life to Jesus. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how how many good things you've done, how how much money you've given away, how much volunteer time, how, how many hours you've logged in church. None of that matters. Scripture says we can be dead as a doornail and still wicked in sin, doing a lot of great things. Have you died yourself to trust your life to Jesus, to obey His Word, to to honor Him as Lord, to serve Him the rest of your days? The question is, will you confess your sin before Him and submit your life to Him tonight to be saved? I pray you do. I pray at a minimum you do real business with this, that you would at least ask a friend or a family member who maybe you know here, or maybe who brought you, or maybe you've seen tonight that you, that you know loves the Lord. Ask them about their hope and their love and peace and joy found only in Jesus. God is doing a great and exciting thing in the life of our historic church in this season. and We're excited to continue to see Him doing great life transformation, left and right and up and down. We'd love for you to be part of that. Part of getting connected to a solid Bible teaching church so you can be discipled and grow and serve our King. The gift of eternal life is only found in Jesus Christ our Lord. Yahweh saves Jesus. Let me say this before wrapping up. There's a big difference between a name and a title. Jesus given Names are Emmanuel and Jesus. The biggest title we refer to him is Christ, but Christ is a title, it's not a name. He's the Messiah, he's the anointed royal figure. But church, tonight we celebrate his arrival. He's the one we've been waiting for. The long-expected Messiah, his name is Jesus, Yeshua. Yahweh saves. His name is Emmanuel, God with us. He is to be worshipped and praised, not just with our voices, but with our lives. He's the only way to have new life. He is why we live. He's known by many other titles. Lord, Master, Son of God, Son of Man, the Word, the Word of Life, the Chief Cornerstone, the Head of the Church, the Holy One, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Light of the World, the Prince of Peace, the Alpha and Omega, the I Am, the Lord of all, Bread of Life, Deliverer, Good Shepherd, High Priest, Lamb of God, the Mediator, the Rock, the Savior. But His name is Jesus. Yahweh saves. His name is Emmanuel, God with us. Amen? I pray you know Him. I pray you love Him. I pray you serve Him. And with that, I want to pray for you. I want to pray for us. The band's going to come back up and lead us in another song. And then we're going to have a very special moment of lighting the Christ candle. And a very special conclusion to our time together after we sing a few more songs together.
So join me in prayer and let's continue to worship him. Father, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for your word to give us great insight, to to direct our path, to light our path, that we don't need to find our own way. We don't need to look to the ways of the world to guide us. We, We look to your word. Your word is truth. Your word is sufficient. And so, Lord, do that work in us as we have looked to the word and continue to sing out these wondrous truths we find in your word these historic songs, that you would be worshipped, that you'd be known and loved, that many would move from being your enemy to being your adopted son or daughter, saved, set free, made new. Whatever struggles might be active, relationally, financially, socially, that, that you would break through all that. And the hope and the peace and the love and the joy that you are would go to work in these lives. What a joy it is to to know you, to, to get to humble ourselves before you. Do your work in us and through us. And be glorified as we celebrate our King who has come, Jesus. It's because of Christ. It's It's in his mighty name we pray. Amen.